Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. I'm really excited to kick off this new series we're starting today, and uh, we're starting a brand new series called Pressure Points. Now, it seems as though as restrictions drop, all of a sudden we feel like everything's going to be perfect, you know, and some of us don't always recognize what goes on underneath the surface and what has played a toll on us, and I know that there's people in other parts of the world that have felt this in significantly greater ways, but we too as well in the just the different things that have been going on, and so for this next few weeks, four or five weeks uh, before our next uh, series in the summer, we're going to be exploring some of those pressure points that have hit us, that have hit humanity, that have hit our lives, our homes uh, in a variety of ways, social, emotional, physical, relational, even financial, spiritual. And today we kick off with uh, a particular theme, kind of the emotional and mental health of our lives. And we have uh, a guest speaker who's going to join us today. He's going to join us via video. Uh, His name is Brett Allman, and uh, he's going to introduce himself, so I don't, I'm not going to say too much about him, but uh, a few of our youth leaders and others have, have heard him in workshops, uh, and he is taught in various places around Canada and North America, uh, particularly in the areas of media, culture, and mental health. And so these next two weeks is going to feel different because he's going to bring a perspective, uh, maybe an awareness, expose some things around the areas of mental health uh, in our society, in our culture. There's going to be kind of an influx of some even data points and insight that might feel different from our normal teachings, and that's okay. We ebb and flow over the year like one big spiritual diet, and we've just come off like a kind of intensity and Easter tide and all those scriptures, and now we're moving into something that hits some of the cultural points of our lives. So I'm just really, really excited to to welcome uh, Brett, and I want you to pay attention to some of the questions you have, because we're hosting a Q&A with Brett on June 15th. So mark down some questions, write them down, send them in to connect at westsidegathering.com, and then we'll be collecting all these and those who register for that uh, event later on in the month. So let's welcome Brett and and listen to his message. Good morning. Uh, My name is Brett Ullman. I am glad to be here today to have a conversation on mental health. If you don't know me, uh, I live in a town called Ajax. Ajax is about 45 minutes east of the city of Toronto in Ontario. My background is actually education. I was a teacher in the Toronto area for a decade and then left that I think it's 15 it might be 16 years ago now to do this and I say this I know this is more filming because of pandemic conversations but I usually I travel and speak uh, and I speak on issues that I think we sometimes don't want to or forget to talk about within our Christian community Uh, I have a talk called parenting navigating everything looking at how we navigate, you know, parenting. I have a talk called Men Navigating Everything. How do we be better fathers, husbands, and boyfriends? Today's on mental health. Uh, I speak on dating, pornography, sexuality, and media as well, looking at from a biblical worldview. Like our worldview shapes our values and our values shapes our actions. So how do we get that biblical Christian worldview? And even in this conversation today on mental health, you know, our, our worldview affects what we think, what we say, and what we do as well. Now I'm going to switch to uh, a different uh, slide. This gives me the slide deck beside and you can still get to see me. Now I want to acknowledge that I'm actually doing this in two parts for two different Sunday mornings and for some of you uh, this is live and for others you'll be watching this on like a 
website, podcast, YouTube, or whatever afterwards. Now, I love having the chance to speak for two weeks, but it means I don't get to finish a conversation. So what I'm going to do is at the end of half of this talk, I'm going to give you a few resources. So if you're like, Brett, I just want right away to go and look at something or, you know, go farther or deeper into this conversation, I'll give you a bit of that. And uh, as I'll say after both talks, you're more than welcome to uh, send me a message through social media, through email or whatever, and we can have a conversation as well. So this talk is called Hope for the Walking Wounded. And that term walking wounded uh, is one that affects many of us. Like I, I guarantee you, so many of you who are listening are those people who, like me, are the walking wounded. Now, this is my family. Uh, my daughter's uh, name is Zoe. Uh, Zoe just finished her first year at Western University. She finished in a unique way, uh, contracting COVID and spending 10 days in an isolation hotel, but she is now uh, better. And uh, she's actually up at camp, a camp called Minioe, for the next few months setting up. And my son's name is Ben, and Ben's in grade 12. He'll be heading uh, to Queens next year. And so I have two kids who've lost a ton through the pandemic. And my wife's name is Dawn. We've been married 23, 24 years. Now, this talk on mental health is the one closest to my heart. And this image is really how I feel. I left teaching. I went straight into a program called the Arrow Leadership Program and then went straight into a master's degree of evangelism and leadership at a school called Wheaton, which is down in the Chicago area. Now, my life then began to be unsustainable. I began to speak not a normal, like a normal is about 125 dates a year for me, but I was now speaking 275 to 300 speaking dates a year. My board of directors, I am a not-for-profit, we're a charity, my wife, my friends, my family, everyone began to sit down and have, you've heard the term intervention before, they would sit down and talk to me, Brett, you have to slow down. And I would just say, March 1st, 2012, because that's the day I graduate. And that's the day I can, you know, re kind of jig my life to have a more balanced, sustainable kind of world. And I made it. I made it to March 1st, and that was the day I stopped sleeping. And then over many months, I began to have, I'm going to call it weirdness. I was speaking at a Pentecostal church, I think it was in the Woodstock area. There were, it was lots of people from many churches and the whole region came to hear me speak. And you can't tell from this, but I'm six foot six. And so I don't usually stand on stage. I, I'd be walking down on, on, on the floor as I speak. And in a second, my world changed. It was like everything just turned sideways in my equilibrium. Uh, it's like in the back of my head, I'm speaking in the front of my head. I'm like, how do you gracefully pass out in front of 500 people? I finished the talk, went to my doctor. He said, Brett, you have some anxiety. And I'm like, no, I speak on anxiety. He's like, no, no, you have anxiety. Put me on some really simple meds and I went home. A few weeks later, I thought, I guess I'm better. And I went uh, speaking in the Windsor area. Windsor's across from Detroit. I was doing 10 Catholic high schools, and on the second day, I found myself crying in my car at 8 a.m. Nothing's happening, and I'm not functioning. Back home, now we have sleep, uh, you know, sleep doctors involved and other specialists and psychologists, and this was what happened for the next upcoming uh, number of months. Up, down, up, down. I, I flew to Camrose, Alberta. Uh, there was about, I think it was about a thousand people came to hear me speak at a retreat at a camp, and I got up in the morning. And I had my first panic attack. Fight, flight, or freeze, I fled. I literally got in my car. I packed up everything. And can you picture, like, you know, this morning it's like, welcome, Brett Allman. And you see my car drive off into the distance. I left and I cocooned myself in the hotel at the airport until I could get a flight home. 
they understood. It was interesting how they wrote me and said, "We, uh, how are you doing from your panic attack? Uh, I flew to Halifax again, unwell, and then everything everything kind of concluded. I call that my pre-breakdown, but it finished. I was at a camp called Lakeshore Pentecostal Camp. Some of you might have heard that before. I was supposed to do a bit of rest, but I was also going to speak a few times to parents and went boating with a friend during the day. And I remember saying to my wife, I think I'm doing better. And coming out of the McDonald's, uh, you know, you come out of a McDonald's, you walk through like the drive-through. I thought I was being hit by a car, but I wasn't being hit by a car. I was falling into a parked car. I called out for my wife. She grabbed me my arm like a blind person, walked me to my car. I didn't leave the cottage that we had been in for the week. I then didn't leave my house for five months and I didn't work for an entire year. And there's irony to my journey in that we're now in, well into 2021 and I still have panic attacks and I still struggle with anxiety and I still struggle with sleep and other things. So this journey for me has become part of my life. Now this image this means a lot to me because this is actually what has been offered to me often by the church. When I say the church, I'm not talking your church. I'm talking the greater church. People would come and sit down across from me when I was at home and say, Brett, have you tried Jesus? And I would say, what do you mean by that? And they're like, you know, Jesus. And I'm like, I know Jesus. What do you mean by have I tried Jesus? And then they would leave. And I would sit and wonder, you know, God, have I not tried you enough, whatever that means. Again, that puts the onus on me that I guess I haven't tried him enough. I guess that's why I'm unwell. And an hour later, somebody would come in and sit down and say, have you tried running? And I would say, I haven't left the house in five months. Or like, but you've, have you tried running? And the next person would say vitamin D and the next it's this and that. And it was just a million roads in a million directions. My wife said to me about five months in, she said, Brett, um, how about you consider this a kind of a sabbatical and it was a forced sabbatical but it was still a sabbatical and she said what would you do if you ever worked again and i said i'd love to have an answer for mental health beyond have you tried something and by the way people i always say people either don't know don't understand or they think they're helping but it's maybe what helped a family member a loved one a spouse a child and so that's of course what we throw out but when you're unwell it just seems like a lot of well people telling unwell people what to do and how to feel. So I want to look at this from a few perspectives. I want to look at it from you as an individual. So whoever you are listening today, a parent, you know, a student, leadership, whoever it might be. Two, for the, we look at it from the perspective of the people we love, our family, right? From a leadership standpoint at a church, our congregations, our small groups, others. And I want to have what I think is a more unique conversation, which is addressing mental health from a prevention standpoint, not just looking at what happens when we're in trouble, but how might we begin to do preventative conversations in our families and in our churches. So here's the outline. I want to talk about what mental health is versus mental illness. I want to talk about first steps, what we're kind of going to do in this, like literally, what is the first, think of the movie, The Queen's Gambit, like the first move. What is the first chess piece you will move if you're unwell? We'll probably break around then. And then the second part, we will walk through faith, how our faith plays a role, and then give you some practical application in your homes, in your church, small groups. And then I say, I hope, and then we're done. But I hope we're not done. I love the fact that you as a church are open to having a conversation on mental health on a Sunday morning, which I think, and I'll talk later, is one of these foundational things from, of addressing it from the pulpit down. Now, I never know where to put this quote, and every book I'm gonna suggest to you, I'm gonna give you a link where they're all online for you. 
But I just, I used to put this at the end, and now I put it at the beginning, because I want to tell you where I'm coming from, and I agree with this. This is herein lies one of the most pervasive misunderstanding regarding mental illness. It's that God spares this kind of pain and suffering from those with deep and abiding faith. And this is what we see today. People in the church often get blamed. You didn't read your Bible enough. You don't know Jesus enough. You didn't pray enough. And therefore, this is why you're struggling. It is not true. It's not true. I mean, statistics will say uh, roughly, I mean, the, the ones that I hear, a third of people walk away from Christian faith forever when they go through mental illness struggles. And we can do better as the greater church. We can do better. And I'm going to I'm going to walk through that today, but if what we're doing isn't working, we need to look at how we take our faith and mental health and how we can have a journey better than blaming the person. This is a wonderful book for anyone in church leadership as a side point. So mental health versus mental illness. Now, it was a couple weeks ago, Global News, uh, I mean, it's literally every day on any news you listen to, but Global talked about that I think they said it was around 72 or 75% of Canadians say that they have low mental health during COVID. And within a few minutes, I had a few people around the country uh, who were watching write me and say, hey, and one person said, I can't believe the growth in schizophrenia and bipolar. And I'm like, pardon? Like, why did you take that from what they're saying? And this is the problem. We don't understand the difference. Now, when I said at the beginning, I struggle with mental health, you all knew what I meant. None of you thought, oh, he has seasonal affective disorder, right? That's not, you knew I'm talking about anxiety and panic and depression. But let me kind of delineate these. Let's, let's tease them out. So first is this axis, up and down. And this is mental health. You have good or high mental health or low mental health. This is what they say on global when people have poor mental health. Now, mental health right here is defined by the World Health Organization as a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her potential. They can cope with normal stresses in life, and we're not even in normal stresses. We're in very different stresses. We can work productively and fruitfully, and we can make a contribution to our community. Every one of you listening has mental health, just like every one of you has physical health. So you could either be high or low in this. Now, you also have another axis, this one. Mental illness. Now, mental illness is a range of conditions for which there are standard criteria used to diagnose them. Most often we talk about depression and anxiety. And it could be other mood disorders or eating disorders like anorexia, bulimia. It could be more psychotic disorders. And the truth is, for me, I've been diagnosed with, you know, anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and, 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 and depression for a season of my life. So, this for me would be kind of high and for some of you would be low. Now, let's put it together. Somebody mailed me this. I love this. So even though I have high mental illness in my life and I'm still journeying through it, I can either have high or low mental health while I'm going through this. Now, I pause a sec, like let that sink in because even if you, right, if you have low even physical health, you could say, if you could be struggling with cancer and still have higher low mental health in this conversation. I just think it's really important to understand what we mean when we talk about mental health and mental illness. So the truth is we could talk for hours on these things. So I'm going to, it's like popcorn. We have a lot of things we'll address. And if you have questions, uh, please let me know. Everything with a tick box here are things that I think we can prevent. The truth is even the first one, we can prevent it. But I just want to say it differently because 
some of us have a predisposition, right, in our genetics. You always hear nature versus nurture, right? Is there something in us that's a predisposition? Some of you actually have that for cancer or even addictions, but it could also be for mental health. But if you knew in your family you had, you know, a predisposition to cancer or something, we change how we live, right? We change what we eat and different things like that. Uh, we can look at, and these are causes or risk factors, right? Lots of ways we come into mental health, mental illness journeys, traumatic events, how can we cut down on those? Burnout or breakdown, and this is a growing thing we see in our Christian church world. I mean, it used to be, I mean, it's everywhere, but in the church, even with, with you know, people in, I say clergy, like with staff and leadership and volunteers, right? Sometimes we burn out people in the church. Isolation and loneliness was a big deal pre-COVID. It's even bigger now. I'm 49, and it used to be it was men my age who struggle the most with loneliness. And it's actually something that I struggle with, right? Men 40 through 60. And then a few years ago, there was this blip as teenagers began to struggle. Now we would say it's men my age and students. And I mean, students today, you are the most connected generation ever, and you are the most disconnected generation ever. When 50% of you with AirPods or whatever in walking through the wall, uh, high school halls or on a street listen to nothing, there's a disconnect, right? When you just, you put them in to disconnect you from people. Chronic unwellness, people like me, maybe you, who have been unwell for a long time. We don't know what to do with people like that. It's easy to, right, when there's a death or something to engage with someone, but what do you do a week, a month, and years later? Substance abuse, which is growing again in the church. Social media, just not feeling enough. This relentless pressure that we put on each other and students today. Our diets are brutal and we don't sleep. And parents, this is not just our students we're talking about. It's actually us as adults. Long-term stress of anything like pandemic. Dopamine, every time my Apple Watch taps me or my iPhone dings or my computer gives me a notification, I get a dopamine chemical hit to the brain. If you don't know dopamine, it is the love drug, right? You give a hug or a kiss and you get that. What does a hundred thousand, quarter of a million dopamine hits do to a human? We don't know. But students, you were the petri dish. Think of that like example from grade eight science. You were the experiment. And we're seeing incredible growths in mental health. Roughly in the last 15 years between, I've heard 15 to 40%. And it is not all blamed on our phones. I was going to hold up my phone. I don't know where it is. But it's actually, right, it could be part of like our phone and technology, but there's other things. And the bottom one here, I put a star beside it. I have a talk called Parenting Navigating Everything. Parents, when you overfunction, what do your kids do? They underfunction, meaning they're not prepared to live life, right? They're not prepared as they go to work at McDonald's or Starbucks or to, to school. And I don't know in your area outside Montreal if you're back in school or not, but like, are they prepared for that? And then heading off to college or university and things like that. When we overfunction, we don't teach our kids and prepare them. So there's lots of ways that we can struggle now, or that there's lots of ways we can come into our struggles. Now, this is when I think we as Canadians began to kind of address that, yeah, we have an issue. This was a study uh, done a number of years ago at U of A, University of Alberta, which is actually in the town of our city of Edmonton. Uh, and look what they found. They pulled 1,600 students. 51% felt that things were hopeless. Man, you want to do ministry for a church? How about campus ministry, college, university, other things in our neighborhood? 50, half of students felt life was hopeless. 88% were overwhelmed by all they had to do. 
88%. Now, I don't know when they polled people. Frosh week, exam time, 62% lonely, 66% sad, 34% are so depressed it's difficult to function, and 52% felt overwhelming suicide. So you in, where are you? Point Claire to me outside Toronto, all the way through to the west coast of Canada and you know back to the east coast of Newfoundland. This is every church every camp, every business, right? Every environment. This is what we see today. And we as Christians are not immune to these things. Now, I would say, I actually say we sometimes have a harder part, a harder journey in the church because of weird kind of worldviews. There are things that people say um, to those of us with mental illness that you would never say to someone with cancer or diabetes. Look at the first comic. Have you tried, you know, not having the flu? Nobody would ever say that to someone throwing up in a toilet. But that's an, an, an ongoing conversation for those of us with anxiety. Have you tried, you know, not having anxiety? Like if we could have thought our way out of it, we wouldn't have. Like no one, no one wants this. The middle one, it's like you're not even trying to stop bleeding. And the last one looks a bit weird. It's a person giving themselves an insulin shot for diabetes. I don't think it's healthy you have to take medication every day just to feel normal. Don't you worry it's changing you from who you really are. If we want to begin somewhere, let's just begin with a foundation that no matter who you are, but especially for us as Christians, we have a we can just begin a journey towards hope and healing without these kinds of statements said at us. If it doesn't work for someone with cancer, I say it doesn't work for someone with mental health. Now, Number one question people write me is this, Brett, I love Jesus. What about medicine? You know how many people have written me who don't know Jesus and asked this question? None. We, as the church, seem to be moving farther and farther away sometimes from basic common sense, I would say, and just other things. It's like we live, someone once said, the twilight zone. And I'm like, I kind of agree with that. Now, before I talk about medicine, it was uh, two summer, two and a half years ago, in the summer, I got diagnosed with Lyme disease. Some of you know Lyme. Uh, Lyme is a hard to diagnose. I have a Lyme doctor in New York City. It's, there's lots of weird symptoms. But when I went on medications for Lyme, you have to go on these long-term uh, antibiotics. I posted online. I just said, hey, I would love your prayers. I'm not feeling well, and I've been diagnosed with this. I have to go on meds. Do you want to know how many people wrote me and said, Brett, you shouldn't take meds because you're a Christian? None. You want to guess how many people wrote me eight years roughly ago when I began to take psychotropic, like meds for anxiety and depression? Hundreds. Now, I'm unique in that I travel for a living, and I have many people from many churches and many denominations across this country, but none, no one, uh, I shouldn't say that, maybe a few wrote me online, but most wrote me privately. It said things like this, if you take medications, you're not a Christian anymore. You just think through what that does to an unwell person. I'm desperate just to be a father and a husband and just to work again as I'm unemployed for months. And someone says, if you take medication, you don't love Jesus anymore. Like kind of our foundations of our faith would be like, you know, the Trinity, the resurrection and not taking meds. Like, honestly, like if you look at asthma to sleeping pills, no one cares. What I mean by that is if you have cancer, and I have a few friends struggling, or like journeying through cancer right now, they do the best doctors and the best things. If you need a sleeping pill for night, we still don't seem to care. But the moment we hit depression and anti-anxiety medications, we're very quick to be polarized. 
One guy at a church said, Brett, meds are always good. And I'm like, are you a drug dealer? Like, what do you mean? Meds are always good. And someone once said, meds are always bad. One person said in a Q&A, you can never tell me one time in life it's okay to take a med. And I said, okay, how about a headache? And the person actually got up and left. Like, if me saying you have a headache taking a Tylenol blows up your worldview, maybe we need to think through this just a little bit more. Now, here's what I would just say. I hope none of you ever have to take meds. That's my, I hope none of you ever do. Uh, but if you have to, and do I think we over-medicate? Yes. I think, do I think we too quickly had to medication? Yes. But if you need meds, it's okay. Now, if you are in crisis, I also say it's okay to begin meds quicker. If you're not in crisis, I would try other things for a little while. And I have a video before you take meds. I actually have another one after you take meds. But the truth is, I'm, it might be medication and Jesus. Like, I, this is where we need to be and people and not or people. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, if you do have to take meds, there's a company called Inagene. You can kind of guess what they do. You can actually, I think I, I think they gave me, if you put my name Brett in for the, a coupon, they give you like 10% off. I don't make any money off this, by the way, but they will do a DNA test on you and tell you these are meds you should try. These are meds we don't know. And these are meds we suggest you don't do all from a DNA standpoint. I really like this because it's adding a bit more science to taking of meds. So how do you know if someone is struggling or not? And these are some good things. So how about changes in eating or sleeping patterns? And this is a big one, right? Uh, now, here's the truth. I have a son at home. He's in grade 12. He's 17. He often will go to bed at 12 or 1 in the morning and wake up today, 11 or 11.30. Could it be an issue? Sure. Is it? Most likely not. That's a normal circadian rhythm for a teenager. When my son who has a spare in the morning doesn't need to be up. I'm 49. 10 o'clock at night, I'm yawning and ready to go to bed. Social isolation withdrawal. Could it be an issue? Yes. But is it been like... Are, are they withdrawing because of the situation of pandemic? Maybe mood changes. Can anyone tell me they haven't felt this way this week? Not able to function. Yes, we now know that there's some struggles, even apathy and loss of desire to do things. Again, this is how so many of us feel. There is an incredible growth in substance abuse in our church world these days. Again, things we need to address. Pornography is growing. People who feel uh, guilty, worthless, they belittle themselves. But here's the biggest one. There are no signs at all. And that's the one that scares me the most, where we just don't know. Someone once said to me, hey, you look good. And it's like, I struggle in here and in here. It's not like you can look at me and tell me. I can't, like, if you were on a Zoom call or if I was with you, I can't just go, okay, like, you and you, you struggle and you and you don't. Like, that's just not how it works. Now, just a couple thoughts. Uh, this season has changed things, right? There's increased hours, changing jobs, different family dynamics. Some of you work outside the home at a grocery store, places or teachers and incredible stress. Just acknowledge those things and give grace and mercy for each other. And I would encourage you as families and if you're single with friend groups or small groups to check in. And I love the emoji check-in, especially for younger kids. How are you feeling? And kids can easier, especially younger boys, we find, can easier just click on something and say, this is how I'm feeling. So I want to give you first steps, a few resources, and then we're done. Now, this was the chaos. And what I prefer is something like this, body, mind, and soul. Your issue might be physical. So go see a doctor to start with. And then there's other things. And next 
session, we'll actually walk through this more. Uh, your issue might too be with the mind, right? It might be a psychological issue, it could be trauma or others, and deal with this going to see a registered therapist. It's actually what I'm currently in school for. I'm doing a master's degree in counseling psychology. I believe in counseling. Now, you're waiting for me to say the issue might be spiritual. But the truth is I don't say that because it's unbelievably rare that the answer to mental illness is our faith in Jesus. But, and please listen to this. I mean, God says you'll have trouble. You will suffer in this world. But what does he say? I will be with you in this, in this journey, right? So that's why our faith, our faith is the foundation from which we journey all of these things. And this is why our faith is important. This is why, too, I think it's important to tell our pastors or other people when we struggle because we want to be there for you and help you journey. People who are unwell tell two people, two people, family doctor and clergy, right? Pastors, small group leaders, others. And I love more body, mind, and soul like this analogy. Now, I put down here, it's, I'm an and and not an or. What I mean by that is it's not like this or this. It's probably going to be eating better with a counselor and Jesus. And I love that. Now, I'm just throwing out a slide here. And this is one I haven't completely thought through. But let me explain why I put this in. I've done 20 talks in the last five months on mental health. Four of them, after I finished, three pastors were one of them. And another one was just uh, someone wrote me and said, Brett, I know you said there's all these ways, but isn't it really just demonic? After all this conversation, the answer is just this. Now, whether it's naivety or ignorance, I think, like I'd say that's kind of what this answer is. Is there a demonic realm? Sure there is. We'll address that later. But I would say maybe if these are the issues that we look at every, and this is where, I mean, this is where people come into our churches and sometimes walk away because it's like we have a twilight zone view of some of these kinds of things. If your issue is traumatic events, maybe some trauma counseling. If your issue is too much social media, and they do stay statistically, if you spend over three hours on social media, you have a greater chance of depression. But I would say maybe people who are depressed spend more time on social media. And if someone's over-parenting you, well, maybe the issue is actually properly equipping you for life. Now, here's a great question. Do Christians have less struggles with mental health? My first response was no. We as Christians don't have any, there's no like people who struggle with cancer, regular community in the Christian community. We have the same statistics. And for mental health, I'm like, no, we're the same. I was wrong. I was wrong. We do have less struggles with mental health and mental illness. Now, this is an article, not a Christian one, but what they say is it's not like, it's not like today if you struggle with mental illness and you don't know Jesus and suddenly you pray and you meet Jesus, everything's fine. It's what you do with Christianity, with our faith. We call it often religiosity, right? When we're all allowed to, we're in church, we're in small groups, we meet fellowship as the term goes. It's from those things we, right? We, we try to counteract things like isolation and loneliness. And we speak like we're talking today about mental health. Many people around you, your neighbors aren't having this conversation. So again, I love body, mind, and soul. If you're here, and we're gonna, I'm going to do some resources and we're done. But if you're struggling, there's three roads you take simultaneously because you don't know what's going on until you get assessed properly, until you walk through these things. So some resources, because I want to make sure you have a few things today. Uh, my website is just my name. It's brettallman.com. If you click where it says blog and click mental health, you'll find five years of the best resources, 
articles. I, I'm more of a curator than a blogger, but you'll find all of these things online. And at the top is all my own um, social media. And I just encourage people to follow people who speak on mental health and faith and, and thought leaders and others because you want great content coming into your social media feeds. My YouTube channel, which was linked at the top, has tons of great videos. It's probably the thing I speak on the most, only probably rivaled by parenting. And these are the few things I mentioned earlier uh, before you take meds and the far one if you need to be on meds. And you might be saying, why do you have a series on habits for a mental health talk? And I would just say, kind of like we know we need to eat better and sleep more and do those things. And no different in our faith. We need to pray more and read our Bibles more. Often our habits are great, but what we don't do is the structures and how to make those things happen. So I think these are great. And there's a few great books in there you can check out later. Every book I suggest on every topic, but especially today, mental health, you can find through this Amazon link. It's just, um, it's called an Amazon influencer program. I don't like that term, but it means I can put everything, the best resources. You can even just go and click on them and read the descriptions for them online. And these are some of my favorite books. Uh, the Church and Mental Health. I do actually have them here. If I can show them to you, I might as well. Uh, this one, uh, the one on the far right is called The Ripple Effect. I really, really like this because it is a sleep, eat, move, and think. Uh, the anxiety workbook, I'm showing it to you and it's there. I still like to show physical. This is a great, it's a thinner book with lots of kind of things for teens to fill in. I actually think it's great for anyone. And the anxiety and phobia workbook was one of my favorite books as I journeyed through this. Uh, chapter on eating, um, eating healthy, chapter on good sleep, and we can add the faith kind of conversation around this. And I wrote a book, it came out last summer. It was a three-year journey. This is a 16-chapter, 226,000 word, meaning it's, it's four times or five times the size of any book I've ever written. But the goal was to be a, and I have a copy, or is it? The goal was to have this be a single handbook for you as a parent. First six chapters on parenting, but the largest chapter by far, mental health. And so if you're looking for the most current conversations, uh, this would be it. Now, to be continued, I feel like a TV show, and if there's ever a TV show that does this, I'm kind of like, oh, like I want to finish. But here's what I'll just say. I'm so glad we began this conversation. If you, if this brings up something in you, I don't like the word triggered, but if you suddenly are like, I would like to know what to do right now, you can find more conversations online. You can send me a message, but you might just want to think of how could I get better this week in the areas of the body and the mind and the soul. And next week, we will walk through this more. Thank you so much for, for being here for this, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a wealth of information. That was a fire hose of information as well. It's almost like we need a whole day workshop for that. But um, I'm sure there's questions that have come up. I'm sure there's uh, uh, maybe like, is that true? Can I figure that out? What about this? What about that? We're having a Q&A on June 15th with Brett over Zoom, a 90-minute Q&A in the evening. And so I encourage you to write your questions on. I've written down three or four, like kind of like I want to bug him about that or ask him about this. And so bring your questions, sign up for that, for that workshop or uh, conversation happening on June 15th. That'll be helpful. But also, if there's just general 
general questions. This is kind of a topic that um, we just, we, we, it's so immense. And you know as a church community, we're always pointing each other to Jesus. We're always pointing each other to spiritual formation, to the transformation of the work of the Spirit in our lives. But we also recognize that, well, what about all these things we face and how do we dissect them with wisdom? And so I just encourage you, we're leaving you on a cliffhanger, come back next week, and then this whole series will talk about pressure points, and I'm excited to continue it after Brett finishes. But let me, let me pray for us uh, before we move on. God, our, our human body, our human life, our mind, um, our brain uh, is so complex. You have wired us in incredible complexity. And uh, we live in a world where we're bombarded with so much information and so many pushes and pulls in different directions. And God, even as we're listening to Brett speak this morning, maybe some of those tensions have, um, have been made even more aware for us today. Or maybe in a friend's life or a family member's life, God. And we so long to be um, people um, who love our neighbor as ourself and love you continually. And so, God, we also pray and ask you for wisdom in the middle of this complexity, in what it means to be people who are transformed by the resurrection and the work of the Spirit, but also live in a world with tension of illness, physical or mental, or a health variety. And, and because, God, we long to live into your kingdom life um, with the fullness of your spirit. And so we just we invite your wisdom in this. Thank you for Brett and what he's going to bring to the table next week and how we can also process that in the Q&A and even the rest of this series. And for those, God, who are longing to take a next step today, Lord, may you uh, prompt them and make them aware of your incredible love for them in Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace. Peace.